Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas, Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Sports Podcast, also uh, representing the Dallas Morning News and SportsDayDFW.com. And any charitable organization. And any charitable organization. We'd love to do that. You do know, they it, really want this representing Dallas Morning News? Well, you know, <laughs> That's probably That's something not. they really they, they, they probably sign off on. They don't go for that. Mike Wilson <laughs> would probably have a little chat with me later about that, uh, about introducing us that way. Ooh, but Mike I Wilson am, talks to me. Oh, yeah, all the time. Kevin. Kevin Sherrington, and then and, and the guy uh, mumbling in my ear over here, that, that would be uh, David Moore. Uh, and then Mumble's uh, a great character from... Yeah, that's true. I that believe is. that was Dick Tracy. It was. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, sitting across the guy here bringing up old comic strips that, that all the kids are really <laughs> going to connect with is, uh, is Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. Hello, kids. <laughs> Hello, Pirelli LaGuardia <laughs> is going to start reading us the comics now. Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> a little SpongeBob right there. Just yeah, that, that would bit. be good. Uh, see, I can. Do, I've got it all. Yeah. Well, now listen. Uh, one of the things that really connected well, me all. With, with my kids was the fact that I would watch SpongeBob with them. That's how I connected with my kids. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Yes, yeah. that's true. He's the best. Yeah, whatever, Squidward. Um, Go ahead, Squidward. So what do you want to talk about on the Rangers? What, what, what can I, Evan Grant, do for you? Well, you first, know. First, Kevin. Yeah, go ahead. Can I approach this segment much like Evan did the Cowboys segment where I just <laughs> check out? <laughs> I was researching. I just sit over here and read and yeah, whatever. Go. go through my cell phone go, oh, God, this e- I never responded to this email two weeks ago. Uh, look at look up recipes. <laughs> Where am I going to eat? In my I don't have to work tonight. I don't have to go to the ball yard. So let me see where can we eat tonight. Uh, oh, no, pre- they're closed on Tuesday. That I've pretty much nails it. Yeah. In my role as ballsy producer, I was looking up very important facts. Okay, now please go ahead, David. <laughs> no, that's it. I've David, had my David, say. David had his say. I'm about reading the now. Rangers, yeah. All right. Uh, you know, I was out at the old park last night. Unlike you. Oh, that's yeah. right. I was only out for the previous seven days. Oh, oh now, come wow, on. seven days out of an entire season. Wow. wow. Yes, you're you're already worn out, and we haven't even got to. June. What a warrior! <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's expecting an award now. What, what was it that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said in the airplane? You drag your ass out there. <laughs> no, no, he said that he was talking about uh, Bob Lanier. Was it Bob Lanier dragging oh, him yeah. up and down the court? Uh, he dragged court? him up and down the court. Yeah, that was a great line. I thought you were going to go with Wilt Chamberlain's line, which would have taken us in a different direction. No, yeah, I, I might have, yeah. Oh, not Wilt. working blue yet today. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a reason why they called him Wilt the Stilt. Whoa! Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm at the ballpark last night and uh, watching that little fiasco. And I'm wondering now, is the You sh- need to start differentiating these fiascos. Well, that's from true. Another. There's a lot of Is the shine wearing off of Bartolo Colon? <laughs> shine uh, listen i i think that bartolo's colonial start last night was his last start as a 44 year old he's going to be 45 when he makes his next start i don't think there's ever it's a nice story he's big and cuddly and puffy and i don't know if he's cuddly I, I couldn't attest to that and he's 44 years old going to be 45 and he's still pitching and he has fun on the mound 
But I, as I've tried telling people on social media, I've had it over and over again. What can the Rangers get for Bartolo Colon? And my response over and over has been nothing. First of all, he's forty; he's going to be forty-five. Secondly, let's not get carried away by the fact that he's had a, he's had some good starts here. Now he did have a, he did have a great start against Justin Verlander and the Houston Astros on Sunday night. But as it gets hotter, as he continues to age basically by the day. And he's facing now. He faced a team last night that's got a, a tremendous lineup. You're going to see if he doesn't have great movement on his fastball that right. night, he's extremely hittable. And the Yankees pummeled baseballs last night. He hit five home runs, four of them off of Cologne. It's the second time I think in his last four starts he's given up four home runs. And and listen, Rick Helling used to give up home runs by the bundle, but he lasts six, seven innings and give you a chance to win. This team doesn't have that kind of offense. That the, 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 the Rick Hellings of the world. Have. I don't remember Rick giving up four and five a game. Rick gave up, I think Rick, Rick's... 42, I think. He was, was 42 in his uh, his worst year. But that's not four and five a game. You're talking about a guy getting 25 stars. It was a little bit of hyperbole. Well, Kevin. but this is not hyperbole with Bartolo Colon. He is giving up four and five home runs a game now. And in two so, games. Well, but he, he if you look back at his, uh, our, our good friend Jerry Fraley uh, looked this up last night. Uh, and I forgot exactly what the stat was, but it's like he is – this is becoming more and more frequent with him now. And it's, it's, as Evan pointed out, this is the thing about Bartolo. Uh, when he had – when he was closing in on that no-hitter earlier this season, the movement on his fastball was unbelievable. It was, it was, it was like watching a sped-up version of Charlie Huff's knuckler. I mean, the ball was moving all over the place. And, and so – you don't have to be, you know, uh, a, a physical specimen to be doing that. Uh, he was just getting great, great movement on the ball. Now, that comes and goes, as we know. Well, with all pitchers, uh, their stuff's not always there every night. And and I also Kevin, think- may I add something here? Yes, very go quickly. right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> in his go, first David. four appearances of the season, Cologne gave up one homer in 18 and two thirds innings. Yeah. In his last six appearances, Cologne has permitted 12 homers. In 37 and two-thirds innings. Thank you very much for that statistic there, David. <laughs> no, David's Jerry checking Fraley. back. Now David's, I can go back to what I was doing. checking back out again. And his, his, his first four starts were at Oakland, pitcher's park. Right. Uh, against Toronto here on a on a cool day. Mm-hmm. Uh, against The, the An- last cool day for about two years. Yeah, for about three years. <laughs> against the Angels here where he that, – well, that was a relief outing. I'm sorry. Um, and then at Houston – which was uh, the the great game against Verlander, and that's not a pitcher's park, that's a hitter's park. That was that was a hitter's park. So that but, was very my, impressive. That was an outstanding. It was it was, it was yeah. there was no doubt it was impressive. The guy carried a no hitter to the, the eighth inning. Right. Um. I, I think there's in in my mind what you are seeing with Bartolo. Um. It, I I theory here as the weather gets warmer and you get a little bit more of a sweat working, it's a little bit harder to maintain a great grip on the ball. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's going to Im- impair your movement a little bit. And again, he's now got he's now got 56 innings in him. And 56 innings for a 45-year-old pitcher is a lot. And yeah. and, and you know, when the Rangers I, I go back to 2015, the Rangers picked up Wandy Rodriguez, who was nowhere near Bartolo or anything like that. But he gave them six really good weeks. Right. And that's what you were looking for with Bartolo. In the best situation, you were hoping that all these other guys hit, the Matt Moores hit, 
that that Doug Fister hits, and that you've got you've got a decent rotation, and that Bartolo can fill in. Like if you did have a situation with Perez or somebody else, he could fill in for about six weeks. But there was no, I don't think there was anybody with the Texas Rangers after they signed him that thought, okay, we're going to get 170 innings out of Bartolo Colon at high quality. And I think what you are starting to see is the natural regression back to where he would typically be as a 45-year-old. So um, we had this discussion also last night in, in the press box, which you were not there. Uh, and well, if it involved you, it was like probably like over kettle corn or garlic we didn't, fries. We didn't say one thing about either one of those two okay. things. Uh, but we, we were talking about – Who's did Jerry gonna, get you pretzel nuggets like I did last he time? He did not. Okay. He did not. But he doesn't have the friends you have in high places out I there. Um, is the um, Who's going to be the Rangers' lone representative on the All-Star team? And, uh, you know, the discussion to me is our, 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 our pal Bartolo. If he, if he hangs in there, he's a possibility. Or is it going to be Cole Hamels? And, and the reason I bring this up mm-hmm. is because – we really don't care who the lone representative on the all-star team is going to be because it won't matter. Uh, but there was also a story where, where Cole talked to the New York writers uh, after the game. Did you see uh, his comments? I heard about them. Heard about his comments. In which, you know, as Cole will do, uh, talked pretty freely about, uh, you know, how great the Yankees are and how great the Yankees and Red Sox, you know, rivalry is. And uh, it sounded an awful lot like a guy campaigning to be open to, hey, come and get me. I'm available. Did it not? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that that he would take a trade um, to get him back in a pennant race because he knows he's not going to be in one this year. And he also knows that he's not going to get his contract uh, option picked up for 2019. Right. So um, if there is a good place for him to land, he'd love to land there. Now, the Yankees... He'd have to accept a trade to the Yankees, I believe. I don't believe they're. Yeah, I can't remember. I believe they're on his list of teams that he uh, he could block. But he uh, clearly is not blocking them now. Well, just because he says he would welcome a trade to the Yankees doesn't mean that when it comes time he wouldn't say, "Well, you're going to have to sweeten the pot a little, a little bit more." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, he, the the guy wants to win. They all want to win. It's it's not going to be a pretty year for the Rangers. Um, but I, I can tell you this: the Rangers aren't going to trade Cole Hamels um, unless they get the best. They, I think, they will trade Cole Hamels, but they're not going to trade him until they get the best possible deal. And just because he says he wants to go to the Yankees, unless the Yankees are willing to give up or willing to overpay for him right now, which they're not. What is the best possible deal? What should they be looking for in return for Listen, Cole Hamels? I, I think Cole Hamels now expect. in a championship rotation is a three or four starter. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think he would, I think he would pitch in a playoff series. Yeah, uh, but I don't think. But he's a rental. He's gonna, he's well, approaching. He's a rental. Well, you could pick him up. For, you could pick him up for twenty million next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but, um, he's expensive for the remainder of this year. The Yankees might be willing to pay that. Um, the other thing, the Yankees. You know, I don't know where the Yankees are on payroll right now. I was going to ask you that question, but you they're that real close to the luxury th- tax. Oh, they are, and they got an awful lot of guys playing in that lineup last night who did not seem like high-paid players. Well, that was their that was their deal. Was they were going to get back under the the threshold? Yeah, I mean, once you play, once you've paid Giancarlo Giancarlo uh, his money, which how much is he getting now? 
Is it? Th- is he getting thirty-five million a year? Is that what he's getting? Giancarlo this year is twenty-five million. Well, I was only off by ten million. The Yankees' <laughs> opening day payroll, according to Cot's contracts, was one sixty-six. Well, that's not that much. Well, now understand this: that the that's the twenty-five man opening day payroll. Yeah. Um, their year-end payroll last year, they they started at one ninety-six, and their year-end payroll was two twenty-four. So you know they tried to get, they wanted to stay under one eighty-nine. Mm-hmm. And once you factor in the year, the forty, the forty-man roster, and all the incentive bonuses and all that, they're going to be real close to it. So it's going to be hard for them to take on money. On the other hand, if the Rangers are willing to pay a good portion of of the money they were already obligated to on Hamels, maybe it does up what they could get back from the Yankees. Yeah, and, and again, the Yankees say that now, but then you're going up to the trade deadline. And you're 34 games, 35 games over 500. You're right there with the best record in the league. And you go, well, we can do it this year. It would be silly not to go ahead and go in over this luxury tax for where we're positioned right now. So it's going to be where they're positioned as you're leading up to the trade deadline, which will allow you to look at it differently and justify it and go, well, we're not going to go over it that much, and it really makes sense to do it in this situation. Well, that's why you always want to make these trades at the trade deadline because sure. you you can always hold somebody yeah. up yeah. in those kind of deals. In, in the off season, you can't do that. You know, you, you get you get people uh, and, you, and what you hope the Rangers hope to get into. Everyone knows who they are at the trade deadline, basically. Oh, absolutely. You hope to get you know multiple teams looking for your guy no, and, and make you, you that, that. Let kind me of ask deal. you this, Kevin. Yeah. Um, Right now, the the four the four Yankee starters with the most starts are Severino, yep. Masahiro Tanaka, who looked really terrific last night, Sonny Gray, and CC Sabathia. Yeah, um, not an overwhelming group. Well, Severino is a Cy Young type candidate. Sabathia is having a great year this year at the age of thirty seven or whatever he is. I think Sonny Gray is better than his number his numbers have showed. And I think the same is, is is true for Tanaka. But my question here would be, you add Cole Hamels that mix. Where is Cole in that group? Three? I think he could be three on that because Tanaka, you know, he's just all over the place. Right. And and uh, and, and who knows how long CC can really you, – you talk about Bartolo Colon. True. This is a guy who's in worse shape than Bartolo is. Uh, and, and who knows how long he can hold it together. So, you know, that's the thing about Cole. He's always in shape. Uh, you know, he's very very reliable, very dependable, and, and very capable of, of putting together a nice little streak uh, of starts, even at his age now, and even with all the mileage on his left arm. Um, so I, I think that, the, that they should hope that uh, that a team like the Yankees gets involved because there will be pressure in New well, York. What are some other teams that are? Again, I know it's early, but what other teams in the in the American League and then also the National well, League? One can team you that see? he can't block a trade to that's very intriguing because they're off to a surprisingly good start is the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I think he he can't block a trade there. I think he'd certainly welcome going back to Philadelphia. And, yeah, I think he would too. Um, uh, I, I, he can't block a trade to Atlanta. Atlanta has been a surprisingly good team. He can't block a trade to Milwaukee, I don't believe. Milwaukee is in first place in the National League Central. Um, I, 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 I haven't, you know, given that it is still May, I haven't haven't spent a whole lot of time mm-hmm. focusing on who's going to have the most desperate needs for a starting pitcher. I think the the good thing for the for the Rangers here is that there are a number of teams right now. To whom he can't block a trade, 
that that are in contention and are surprisingly mm-hmm. in contention and might say, okay, we'll take this guy for one year uh, for, let's say, for the, for the remainder of that contract this, at, at the trade deadline will be about be a little bit under $11 million, but there will be a $6 million buyout after that. So you're talking about close to $17 million. Um, would somebody take a big chunk of that? Yeah, I think somebody would. Here's here's my thinking about this, and I'm going to expand. But he's this. got Cole's got a pitch well too. Well, absolutely he does. But but here here's my thinking about this and, and where the Rangers are now. This is an organization that has got to figure out a way to make some things happen. They can't just sit around waiting for. Well, let's just see what our farm system produces here. They have got to do something now. They got to be proactive. And this is I want to lead from. From Cole Hamels over to Shin Su Chu, and the same thing with both of those guys. You just said, what if the Rangers picked up a significant part of his contract? And that's what I'd tell an organization. We'll, we'll pay, you know, because he's, he's owed $20 million this year. I mean, to, total for the year. For the year, it was twenty two five. Twenty two, And then there's the $6 million buyout if you don't pick up the $20 million option. I'd say, I'd tell, so for the rest of the year, if I'm an all-star, it would be about $11 million then. Look, if I'm the Rangers right now, and I could trade Cole Hamels and, and – Taking on the remainder of his contract upped my return into a significant return. I'd be willing to take it because oh. your payroll is down this year. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the the way that you can exploit the system a little bit, since there are hard caps now on draft signing pools right. and international signing pools, this is one way you can exploit the system and say, okay, we've got an asset to trade. We'll we'll pay for them, but you you have to up the price. Yes, I, I don't think the Rangers would hesitate. For and it a creates moment. more of a market because teams that are up against the cap can now take him where Correct. they wouldn't be in the absolute equation Absolutely. otherwise. Now, but let me just stop you before you go any further. I can't go any further. There's. I, I think I, we should just stop him more than <laughs> more wow. than we at this point. Man, I, I, I think all of that applies to Hamels. But with Chu, you're talking about a guy who signed through 2020. You're I, I talking about a guy who is a DH now. You're talking about a guy who is thirty, going to be thirty-six, and I, you know, <laughs> you're talking about whether another team is going to take him or not. Yeah. Well, that, that, but here's my point though: whether Shinsu Chu plays for you or not, you've you've sunk that money into him. Absolutely. That money is there. Uh, you're not going anywhere this year. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and you would certainly. And he's not having a great year in, anyway. Uh, if I got a chance to, to to see Willie Calhoun instead, uh, and give him the the games and the and the at bats that Chin Su Chu is getting, so I get to find out something about Willie Calhoun. It's not going to cost me anything. You're, the the price that you're going to be paying, you're going to be paying for this either way uh, with Shin Su Chu and and uh, Willie Calhoun, and it's not an appreciable difference to me. Then I just say adios. No, I think there's a legitimate possibility that come. Whether it's late June, early July, or the deadline, whenever, I, I think that – see, I, I do think that you're committed to that money. And if right. you if you take another month before you bring Calhoun up here, I don't think you're really stunting his growth because he's no. going to come up here and he's going to play. And I think you are indebted to saying, okay, let's, let's hold on to Chew for a while longer. Let's see if he can get hot a little bit, and let's see if somebody loses a big bat, oh, absolutely. DH bat, absolutely. and we can parlay it into something or recoup some of the money. Uh, and, and I think that's ultimately what the Rangers do. But I, I, I've said this uh, on social. I've said it in, in, in uh, my mailbag that I think it's, it's very possible that come the second half of the season, the Rangers are going to have to entertain the possibility of saying, 
we're just going to have to swallow the money and, and move on because right. because you have this preponderance of left-handed hitting prospects. Guzman, Calhoun, you've got Gallo in the majors, you've got Mazzara in the majors, you've got Odor in the majors. That's that's five left-handed hitters right there. Um, and, and, you know, Chu is a left-handed hitter as well. So I think at some point in time you've got to say this guy only plays one position. He's basically blocking somebody. You can't stunt the development to- of, of what your pipeline is giving you. And this is the year to clean up your financial mess as much as you can. That 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 is the that is in my mind that is the upside to this year. You do what you can from a financial standpoint and take the hit now to free yourself up and, and give you the the situation that you need from a talent perspective going forward. Absolutely. Well, you can't. The thing is, to an extent. Yeah, I mean, I understand. Well, what John Daniels is saying is that this year is all about development. All about development. Well, I've had a problem with that uh, uh, pronouncement. Not if you have a guy in place that's keeping. No, and, and that's the problem <laughs> no. all along. When when he was talking about going into the season, was not what has happened. You know, they've been forced to do this because of injuries. Injuries. Before yeah. he was saying, "You're going. We, we got to play. We got to find out about our young guys." Well, Odor was going to play. Mazar was going to play. Gallo was going to play. Those were the three young guys that were going to play. No matter what. if you had a championship rotation, those three guys were playing anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're it's being disingenuous to say that no 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 i here's what i think it's about the development of those guys that you just mentioned it's about their growth what is about their growth but you you, that's the the measuring stick for this team this year that's there's no question is the growth of mazara gallo odor i think you can you know you can still put the shields in that mix and i think you know as you You go forward it's about getting experience for the guzmans and the calhouns but that's um, but that only happened because of the injuries. They were not planning on bringing up uh, Guzman to play first base. Correct. That was not a plan in the plan. Uh, that was not uh, I, Isaiah kind of for That was not in the plan. Correct. For him to come up and play. That was that was just necessitated by all the injuries. No, but but going into the year, the idea was okay. Let's we're rolling the dice and let's say if all these guys hit or some of these individual guys hit, right. we'll have some trade commodities that are affordable at the deadline. Or best case scenario, we're challenging for the second wild card. Right. Um, but at its heart, at the at, if you distill it down and filter it down, it's about we have to see growth from Odor. We oh, have absolutely. to see growth from Gallo. We have to see growth from Mazzara. I think they've seen some growth from Mazzara. I think Gallo is always going to be a peaks and valleys type hitter. Yeah. I think the place where they have hit the biggest struggle is with Odor. Right. Um, there has not been any appreciable – uh, improvement in his play, I, I think it's only underscored what we saw last year is is that there's still the level of frustration, the lack of recognition of breaking balls. Um, I know he hit the three-run home run last night, uh, but you know I pointed out Sunday that this guy in his career has gotten to two strikes, has got, hit, pitchers have gotten ahead 0-2 and thrown a slider 56 times in his career. He's two for 56 with 33 strikeouts. Mm -hmm. If you've got a slider, you get ahead of this guy. You're just going to throw it, and he's going to strike out automatically. Those are the things he's got to eliminate. He's got to be able to defend against those pitches. He doesn't have to necessarily put that pitch in play, but he's got to be able to defend against that pitch, get deeper into the at-bat, and do something. I I don't know if it is the Bautista punch or if it was the contract that came after 2016 – but his growth was stunted by something. 
mm-hmm. by a change in who he was. I think he now goes to the plate thinking he's a he, he's just a home run guy. Right. That's not who he came up as. And this is the thing the Rangers have to get right this year. And you know, how uh, how do you proceed here? Because you have a pretty large sample size. You've got a pretty uh, large He's not responding size. to it. So do you – I mean, what, what are your options here as far as how you develop him? Well, that's funny you should mention that, David, because uh, I went out there, uh, and I'd like to think they didn't hold this just because they decided this stinks. Uh, but, you know, I went out there with the purpose of writing a column about uh, the cow, oh, the Cowboys, about the Rangers bunting more for, for in into shifts, you know, to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, you're offensively challenged. you got a lot of strikeout, high strikeout guys here. How about just, you know, putting some balls in play, and, and especially with some of these faster guys. The Shields will, will certainly bunt, although why he's not bunting now in the middle of this slump that he's in is just mystifying to me. He, you know, he, I, I talked to him about it at, at, uh, at Frisco, and, he, you know, he talked about how, yeah, I, I can bunt once every game. And now all of a sudden he's not. I, I think he falls into, and, uh, you know, I, this is the maddening thing about players. I think Delino knows knows what you're saying. I, I I think he knows that about himself. But I I think that you know guys tend to get into slumps and they sometimes they try and swing their way out of it. Yeah, and I think that's what he's doing. A and I think it's a huge mistake. Right. Now, I, th- but, I think there's also something to be said too when a team is going poorly. You think you need they hit a five big right gestures. Run, you right. need something big rather yeah. than something small. And, and when, so a lot of times the details become even worse on bad teams Absolutely. because it's like, well, if I do this small little thing, it's not going to make a difference. I have to do something big. And when you're around it day in and day out, that just kind of and it, on top you go of, against your instincts. On top of that, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying, you know, he, he has, as we've seen him improve defensively, we saw what he did last year. He's become more and more thought of in that core group going forward. And now all of a sudden you identify yourself as part of the core. You feel like you have to take on an even bigger role. Responsibility, yeah. yeah. But what I was going to say was that so after – so a group of media were talking to him after the game because he hit the home run uh, and uh, three-run homer, and uh, which was another good reason why that the bunt story didn't run. Uh, so, you know, they, it put them in a tie at that point. And in a game you lose 10-5 to 5, uh, talking about bunting, it was a little bit like him punting about the paint job on the Titanic as it's sliding in <laughs> underneath the water. But uh, but, but I did t- stay and talk to uh, Rugi about that a little bit after the group left, and I just I talked to him about bunting because he did try to bunt in his first at bat, and it was a terrible bunt. And he, he was kind of trying to drag it a little bit, and he got it was up, and he sticks it out and whacks the body. It almost went over the first baseman's head. In the air. That would have been a great bunt. It would have been a great bunt if you could do that. Absolutely. And and you know he tried to bunt the night before also. And um, and I thought that those were. And one of the things he said to me was, "I'm I'm trying to get back to more of that." And and I said, "So you're talking about two years ago then, right?" And he goes, "Yes." So I thought at least it was a sign from him that he is recognizing that I need to be doing this more often, you know, and, and because there's a million reasons to do it. I, I just think that it's so crazy to me. I watched last night, every single guy in that lineup, except Delano and Delano even got a little bit of a shift at one point, but every guy in that lineup got some kind of shift. And, and the so, Rangers going into last night had been the second most shifted team in baseball. Yeah. And, and, they had and, seen shifts 29. I did this research last night, 29.3% of the time Minnesota had faced them. 33% of the time. And this is based on what Fangraphs calculates as both, you know, traditional and non-traditional shifts. But there were 15 guys in all in Major League Baseball that had sh- been shifted at least 90 times. The Rangers had three of them. Gallo, wow. Mazzara, and uh, um, 
uh, Chu. See, and I don't really understand the Mazzara one because he's more of a spray hitter, uh, and he can go the opposite way more. Uh, but it, to me, when you've got third baseman, uh, at one point in the game last night, Chu, one of his at-bats, uh, the third baseman is lined up at shortstop, right? Mm-hmm. And, he, and the count got to 2-1. And Chu squares around, faking the butt. And I mean, you can just see that you know the third baseman who's playing at shortstop now is like panicking, running toward the plate, mm-hmm. trying to get there. And then then Chu pulled off, and then he grounded into the shift, uh, you know, to the second baseman who was pulled way over, and he's out. And I'm thinking, here's Chu, a pretty accomplished uh, hitter, pretty accomplished at the plate. And why not push that bump up the third baseline? When the guy is playing over at shortstop, I mean, to me that is insane. That the whole idea that that teams are we're just gonna, you know, that they will say. And I asked, I talked to Jeff Bannister about this, and of course, the first thing he said was, "Oh, we got to hit the opposite way," you know. Uh, and you know, okay, right, I get it, but that's a lot harder to do to, in my mind. Now, what players will tell you, and what coaches will tell you, is that but these guys don't work on bunting enough. That's hard for some of them to do. Right. But but what that's, was the score at the time? At the time when when Chu, they were trying to get base runners. They were down then. It was later in the game. They were down a couple of runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just it. You need base runners. Sure. You know, and, sure. and, and you just need to, and, and that's the problem with this team when we talked about a while ago. When you think you've got to hit a five-run homer, that's not how it works. You're going to have to just get on base. And you have to – and that's what Jeff always talks about and always wants the guys to do, turn around and hand the baton to the next guy. you got to trust the guy behind you that he's going to do something to move you over and you're going to get on base here. And I just think that this team knows that but doesn't know it. it, it, it this team feels like, ah, I can't do that. Well, they know it, but they don't do it well enough. And then if you do it – say you bunt once a game an entire week and you don't get any down – are you going to continue to do it? Oh, you know, I mean, so that's, I mean, you have to have success well, with it really immediately if it's out of your comfort zone for you to continue to do it. And they're not having success immediately when they do try it. And to me, you know, the whole shift thing is fascinating to me because it's really like, in some ways, it's like the argument you have in the NBA where you're intentionally fouling yes. a guy to get him to the, the free throw line. Right. And you have a big argument, well, that's bad for the game. And the other argument is, well, no, they should work on their game. Right. You know, we're exposing a flaw. This is this is our strategy. And you're seeing in baseball now where you've never seen it before, and it really is exposing guys. They're giving them areas to hit, but they don't have the ta- the skill set or the confidence in order to do it. Yeah. And when you, when you don't see guys – and here with the Rangers, it's doubly exposed because then you see a guy – all right, the, the thinking always was with a guy like Joey Gallo. Look – they they come up with with shift the, the whole idea of a shift came up as I was told by Dave Raymond last night I didn't realize this everybody always thinks it's Ted Williams was the first one that they came up with the shifts for it was actually home run Baker you know who a thousand years before that and and people people put on shifts for him but the whole thinking was that we'd rather have Ted Williams get a bunt single than to get a, a double sure. or a home run right, right. okay sure. yeah, I get that but Ted Williams also hit four hundred right Joey Gallo's not yeah. hitting four hundred yeah. Joey Gallo's hitting two hundred. So if Joey Gallo can push a few bunts up that third base, I'm, I'm telling you, he's fast enough. If he pushed it hard enough up the third baseline, he might get a double. You know, and, 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 that's, and that's what is, is frustrating to me. He's got to do it. He's, gotta, he's just got to do <laughs> here's, it. Here's the thing is that there, I think there needs to be more awareness. Yeah. Um, I, don't know, I don't know that you want to say, okay, Joey, we want you to spend – one at bat a game bunny. Oh no, no, no. But no. You if they're gonna give you the free hit and you need base runners at that time and you're down, um 
Then once, you try and take that once a week. No, I, I'm I, I, I'm not putting any yeah any parameters on it. I'm just saying if look, this is a situation. You're down by runs. Your home run's not going to mean anything. Right. Okay. If they're going to give you that, then take it. And even if you bunt the ball foul, the pitcher's liable to come back next time with a fastball that maybe you can drive. Yeah. So it just changes be aware the, be it, aware of those situations. It just changes the 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 dynamics. But on the on the same front, Odor tried to bunt Sunday. Okay. Now yeah. we can parse these things up as yeah. much as we want, but the White Sox and you know, I first of all where you sit and Anyway, it, it's hard to see. But what, what you could see is the third baseman was crashing pretty hard. I don't know if he lined up even with the bag or he was in a little bit or whatever, but he was in. And you, and you can't bunt it up the thir- third base line in that situation no. if the guy's expecting you to bunt. Right. So Odor's got to be a little bit, you know, while I applaud the thought process that, okay, I'm going to try and bunt here, I'm, I'm willing to put that in play, you also have to be more aware of, what the situation is that, that the defense is playing and things like that. And this team has not has not been that aware. I would say that it is not endemic to this team. I think that by and large because the bunt has become so uh, antiquated mm-hmm. uh, and so obsolete in baseball – that guys aren't aware. Okay, this is this is a good opportunity for it. They, you know, they only think sacrifice bunt. That's or, what. That's the problem. They're right. thinking of a sacrifice, yeah. which is a, antiquated and it is a bad right. way for the most part to, to run. But when you're when you look up and you see these things now, and as I said, everybody on the team's getting a shift. Now they're not all getting a third baseman playing at shortstop, but everybody's shifting now. To me, you have to come up with ways to fight against the shift, and that requires more than trying to hit over it. Or to go, or to hit the opposite way. And is I there think, a better time to do it than this season with where this team is? Absolutely. No, talk I, about. I mean, you you can actually work on some, make an emphasis of things in certain games. Going, look, this is we need to do for your long term career to take these away. This is you know you may have a horrible month. Agreed. We're behind you. All We're behind agreed. you. Yeah. But you know what? We're going to say why you're having a horrible month. But this is going to make you better in the long run. Right. All, all agreed. But I'll go back but, to what we yeah. talked about on the last podcast, and that is I wouldn't hear. Th- so then it know. comes down to communication. You know, the, the coaching staff has got to communicate that in a way that the players can embrace and comprehend. Yeah. And you've got yeah. to get the buy-in from the players. Yeah. And I, I, I think you know if, if there's been one frustration that the Rangers have had with Odor here over the, the last fourteen months of baseball, it's been that there has been a little bit of stubbornness to his game. So yeah. if we're seeing him willing to bunt a little bit now, uh, I think, and, and as he said to you last night, um, if he's making some realizations that he has to make adjustments, that's the first step. Okay, Once you do that, and then all of a sudden you're willing to embrace a whole lot of other things. Well, absolutely. And, that, and that's, the, that's the thing uh, to me, too, is by doing this, then, you, then you're in people's heads about the shift. You know, if mm-hmm. if Joey Gallo drops a few bunts over here on the left side, because here's the thing. Okay, yeah, you you rather see Joey hit a, a single than than sure. a home run. But when he's hitting 200, then then we're we're talking about now now you're you're being more of a player, you're being more of a factor in the games, and maybe they will relax that shift a little bit. Maybe they will move on simply because they have to. Correct. And so these are, to me, that's the way. Because if you're hitting over the shift, if that's all you're doing, they'll stay in the shift. Sure. Because they know that you're not always going to lift the Head ball over, yeah. you know, and so and so it that's that's the that's the issue for me is the 
in baseball. And of course, we, it, I also asked the question about the whole thing about you know the Ryan Dozier comments earlier this year in the Baltimore game with the Twins, where he complained about uh, a rookie catcher bunting at the end of the game uh, into the shift. And the point was, he was saying that well, you know, it's, it's baseball etiquette basically because you didn't hold a runner on, uh, and and we didn't try to steal earlier in the get you know in the uh, that inning. And of course, the argument was then. Well, then, if, then why were you guys in the shift? Correct. You know, so uh, there's at this point in time, in the way that guys are trying to exploit the game and exploit the positioning on the field and things like that. I don't care what the etiquette was in the past. Yeah, I don't either. You have an ability yeah. to in, in, in you know leads that were one time at, at five runs at one point in time late in games were blowouts, and everybody was just trying to get the game over with. That's not the case anymore. Right. So. Brian Dozier was out of line. Yeah. Um, if a guy, if if you're going to play a shift, you're saying we're still contesting the game, right. and if you're still contesting the game, we're going to do what we need to do to try and create a rally. And how do you think that goes over with, with fans when they hear that? How do you think a fan feels? Because that's the problem with fans is they look out there and see all that open territory. Why wouldn't you hit over the ball over there? That's just that's what they're thinking. And I, when you say, "Hey, no. the game's over here at this point," we were you were not supposed to do that. Do you think that fans? I don't think that most fans really understand baseball etiquette, or, or what are the things that are codes or violations of codes and all that. Correct. And when you say that kind of stuff, that sounds almost a lot like cheating. It, it, it sounds like we're quitting at this point, and and so we're, we're just trying to get out of here now. Right. You know that doesn't no. go over with fans. No, no, and I, I mean it. It just used to be things were a lot, a lot more well defined. However long ago you want to you want to go back I, I don't that's why i think that hey if if teams are going to continue to at least give the posture that they're contesting games then anything and everything is up for grabs i never sure. you know if a guy wanted to steal a base with his team up by seven runs i don't care no you know i, I mean i don't know are you padding your maybe you're padding your stats a little bit but hey if if we're still out there on that's the field, that's who you are as a player, and you're working on something. That's a, again, it's still, and, and, you know, the, worry about your own team, worry about all that stuff. Stop getting offended. Well, you know, it's interesting because on the uh, on, on the football podcast we did this week, we were talking about how coaches and and you know the staff needs to put players in positions to succeed, and that's what it is. Whether it's you, whether you make the scheme more simplistic, or whether you ramp it up, whatever. The Rangers, we've been talking about a little bit here, is we're asking them, players with a lot of pride who want to look good, we're asking them, well, should they look bad in order to get better down the road at this level? Yeah. And, and that's, a very, that's a very different coaching perspective to get across and to get buy-in on. Because that's something you do away from the crowds. That's right. something ideally you should do away from the crowds. But now you have an unusual situation this year where you're competitive within individual games, but you're not competitive as far as, as being a, a factor for the postseason. Correct. So how does that alter how you approach individual development in these seasons versus other seasons? It gives you latitude to work on some things a guy doesn't do well, but do you really – But if you're that player, are you saying, well, we should have worked. Okay, I'm, I'm happy to work on this. 
in the off season. Right. Well, I'm she, not working on this well, now. Done this in spring training. I, I you know, yeah. you can say you're well, why didn't we work on after this in bad the month. Why yeah. didn't you stress this in the minor league? Yeah. Right. So now you're telling me something completely different. Now you want me to look bad on this level on a bad team. What are you going to think of me and what are the fans going to think of me if I'm a bad player on a bad team? At well, least I'm a good player on a bad team now. Well, you look at a guy you know? like like Joey Gallo and I and I don't want I'm not throwing Joey under the bus here. I I, I think Joey's a little misunderstood. I think he's a really sh- a sharp kid who's been moved around all over the place, who's responded well. He he made a really nice play in left field last night on a ball slid slid picked it up threw it in and of course Jerks and turns around and lobs the ball to second base and they don't get the guy. So, you know, uh, he's done a lot of good things. But this is the guy who came up with Chris Bryant, you know, who became a superstar yeah. right away with the Cubs. And and that's what Joey thinks of himself. He was a guy who was considered they were, of yeah. that level. So one A, basically. Are the Cubs asking Chris Bryant to bunt? You know, and and, it, even, mm-hmm. even, and then that's in Joey's head, that's what's going on, is that I'm that guy. You know, I'm Chris Bryant caliber kind of guy. I'm I'm a Bryce Harper caliber kind of guy. They're not being asked to bunt, so that's a hard thing for players to to reconcile with. And 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 it is what Evan going back to what Evan said. It is now incumbent upon the coaching staff and the manager to get this message through to these guys, not by pounding it in their heads. You know, not to be. You know, everybody wants to think that's what a coach does. You just scream at them and get them to do that. You got to get them to buy into that. And to me, this is what is going to be watched and looked at for the rest of this season. By by the general manager is is that our our guys buying into what you're saying? We talked about that last night too. Jerry, Freddie, and I as we're walking out uh, to the parking lot is that you know because you and Jerry were at the game, but we Evan were at the wasn't, game, and Evan right? wasn't right. Okay, and is that I seem to remember you mentioning that earlier yeah, a little bit, a couple of times maybe uh, about the fact that they lead the league and hit hit batsmen, you know, and that's because of all this talk about wanting to own the inside of the plate, and you know. That always sounds good to say that kind of thing, that you want to do that. It's hard to get pitchers to that because guys crowd the plate so much now because they're wearing so much body armor. They're mm-hmm. not worried about getting hit by pitches anymore. They're practically standing on top of it. Uh, and But, you know, you do want to own that. But if you're not comfortable doing that, if you haven't always done that, and you are and you throw inside and then you hit this guy, now you put this guy on. And, you know, that's a lot of people to put on base, what they're doing now. So – I'm not sure. They are on pace. What I wrote earlier, this this was Friday, and they haven't hit a ton of guys since then. But mm-hmm. they were on pace as of the start of that White Sox series to set the all-time record for hit batsmen, um, a record that goes back to 1899. <laughs> Which is hard to believe. That was set by the Cleveland Spiders, who were so bad. I mean, they won 20 games. They were so bad that they basically had to play the last 50 games away from home because people didn't show up and boot them. And were <laughs> so that's the kind of record we're talking about here. And it does go back to this. Put your players in position to succeed. Right. Um, if you're asking them to throw inside and they're not capable of throwing mm-hmm. into that zone, mm-hmm. then all you're doing is putting more runners on base yeah. or putting yourself behind in counts. Right putting yourself in bad leverage situations, and creating more bad innings. With an offense that doesn't have the ability to Correct. dig you out of it. Correct. Yeah, so, and I really do think that this is this is what we're going to see for the rest of this season. I, you know, my first inclination is that the general managers are responsible for this season. He's the one who built the roster, and he's the one that made the decisions. And if anybody needs to be a fall guy for all this, it'll be him. It should be him. 
But I can see where the general manager could say, I feel like that uh, this manager and this coaching staff is no longer reaching these players. They are not responding to to what they want to see. He did say, John Daniels, I was not there when he uh, told uh, a few members of the media this. Oh, so you didn't show up for the pregame portion. I was there for the pregame portion, but not, not that quite. He was a little bit earlier than me. Oh, so you didn't get there like most of the working media. Well, no, I'm a columnist. Right. Okay. Good point. <laughs> We're not working media. Not working media. Yeah. It's so, made apparent time and time again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, is that he? He said, you know, uh, this the the first responsibility is of these players is to yeah we want to get we want to make sure that the uh, that the coaches are are laying out a successful game plan for for the players and all that. But ultimately, it's about the players uh, playing. And and he needed to say that because otherwise you're undermining the manager and you're giving the players an out to say right here, hey, see, it's his fault. Right. We don't if, if we if, if we don't like Jeff Bannister, this is how we can get him out. Yeah. No, there's 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 no way around that. And, and listen, I, I don't think that John would um I don't think he would shirk away from the idea that this season is quote unquote his responsibility. I no, think that, I, he he does take responsibility. You know. For that. I, the idea was that this team was going to scale back payroll a little bit, that it realized if it didn't get Otani, that its chances of of competing this year were going to be really difficult. And so their their route was, let's take some chances on some basically low-risk guys uh, that aren't going to cost a ton of money, see if if we catch lightning in a bottle with them. If we don't, then we've got trade pieces. Um but underneath all that, then, what it gets down to is what we've talked about earlier in the show is the need for these young core players to develop. What's not going to sit well with fans is we keep talking about Gallo, Odor, uh, and Mazzara. There's no pitchers. Right. There's no young pitchers to develop this year. Um, and there's nobody on the immediate horizon. Triple A and double A are basically devoid of, 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 of prospects. Uh, Ariel Gerardo came up on Saturday from Double A, pitched into the fifth. I thought he showed some poise, but he also showed, look, he doesn't have a whole lot of room for error. He's never going to have a whole lot of room for error. Not striking out a lot of guys. Not going to strike guys out. If he gets them to put the ball in play quickly and gets ground balls, he can be successful. In a lot of ways, it's like it's like a Cologne or a Fister, but I I don't know that he's got that kind of command, and I don't think you can you can make a comparison to a guy who doesn't have great stuff to somebody who's been in the big leagues ten years in the case of Fister or twenty years in the case of Cologne. So I, I think he he's looked at as a serviceable type type prospect, a guy who could be a guy who rounds out a, a, a rotation. But there's not a guy here that you can say, okay, we're going to put this guy out there. We know he's going to be great. He's going to go through some rough times right now, but he's going to be great. They don't have that guy to show fans. And I think that is where the um, ultimately you're still going to have issues with the fan base because everybody knows this club lacks starting pitching. And you have nothing where you can say, okay, here, we're putting this guy out here, and he's eventually going to be – part of the solution they just don't have that right now that's the yeah that's the issue for for me too uh you know you, you look at it i i see having a down season they were down last year they're down this year 
That's all I ever get from anybody about the Rangers when I write about them. Is why aren't you going to write? When are you going to write that John Daniels should be fired? What's he? He got pictures on, of somebody, you know. And of course, he, he's only presided over the most successful era in Rangers history. You know, the only two World Series appearances, you know, most of the uh, playoff experiences have all been with John Daniels as the general manager. 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 16. Six times they've played past game 162 since 2010. Yeah. Um, as, as we've seen changes due to the CBA to the draft and the amount of money spent on draft prospects and the, the international market, we've seen limitations there. It makes it that much harder for clubs who are going to, to build their, their window of opportunities through development because you can't just outspend other teams in that area and sign more prospects, get more guys. Uh, you don't have the ability to trade draft picks in, in Major League Baseball. So it narrows the ways that you can do this. And for a team to have a 10-year run like the Rangers have had, I think is is uh, among the better accomplishments in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, and I also think, you know, we spend all this time, we criticize Jerry Jones so much for, for his management style, for being in the middle of everything, for um, uh, being at odds, basically, in terms of philosophy with guys who he's had in, in evaluation positions. This ownership group has shown uh, what, what I believe is real restraint, re- exercised real um, uh, trust in its, in, in its staff to say, okay, you, you run baseball operations. We're going to take a back seat. We trust in you. We're going to delegate to you. And ultimately, that's what you want, right? Whether it's, it's in sports, we tend to say, oh, something's not going good, fire somebody. Mm-hmm. But in business, don't we want a leader that we say, okay, we trust in you. We're going to delegate things to you, and we're going to trust that you will have the long term interest at heart. And I think that's the way these guys are managing this organization. And I think, quite frankly, it's the smart way to do things. Could there be a better general manager out there than John Dion? Sure. But I, I think they've got a pretty good one. And I think that that given where they are in uh, in the building cycle, uh, it's going to be an ugly year on the field. But I think the the Rangers are moving towards. They didn't try and falsely inflate this team this year. Um, they they didn't spend a ton of money on on bad free agents. They are engaging in the rebuilding process. It, they just haven't said the words rebuilding because they're never going to say but it. Now the key question is, you mentioned those three guys and no pitchers. What base do you give for hope to your fans going forward, coming out of this bad season, that you actually started building back to where you want to be? And that's what, that's what the focus is going to be, and that's what right. uh, will make for some, I think, some very tense moments the, the rest of the way and, and early this offseason and that's as well. The, yeah, that, that's my problem is that I got – all right, you're, you're not any good this year. I get that. You weren't any good last year. Tell me how you're going to be better next but year how you're based be off be- of what we're seeing here I don't, now. I don't, I don't see it getting that's, better. That's the question. That's going to be day in and day out as we right. get closer to the end of the season. That is going to be more in the mind of every fan, and that's going to be and, – and that, and that dynamic changes things. That well, sure it does. And fans, do approach this, fans do approach this from a football mentality here, more so than in other markets, that one bad year doesn't mean multiple bad years. And in baseball, it's a little bit harder – to rebuild because you are talking yep. about drafting mm-hmm. kids at a much younger age and moving them up through the minor leagues. See, here's what I think is going to have to happen with the Rangers. I'm just going to make this 
rather bold statement as Doug comes out here and turns on the Klieg lights. Uh, is that um, who was Klieg? Uh, he was a he was a he was a great guy. I loved him. He was my favorite. He was a bright man. Yeah. Ha. Huh. Is that is that going forward? If you're you cannot sell to this uh, fan base, not so much this year, but certainly next year and the year after that, you cannot sell to this fan base. We're waiting on our farm system. You know, you, you just be patient. We're waiting on our farm system. At some point, especially going to that new ballpark, this ownership group is going to have to say, you know what, we're going to have to go out and, and, and do a couple of big contracts. We're going to have to spend some money. That will accelerate it. That will that once will ex- you get close. And, 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 again, that's another reason you don't spend money now is because right. you know you're going to do it going into you – know. And they have to do And I, I think you're going to have to – you're going to have to try and spend real retail money this offseason on one starting pitcher because at yeah. best – at best, How you can you get, not? Yeah, yeah, you get one starting pitcher in a free agent market, one really good starting pitcher, and then you have to do the same in 2020. Yeah. Because and you're it, not paying Cole Hamels anymore next no. year. And, and then what you hope is that by 2020, guys like uh, Brett Martin, then someone comes up from the farms, Michael Matuello, Joe yeah. Palumbo, that those guys are all pushing for the major leagues, and that you do have uh, a core of 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 a rotation there. Yeah. But you, you know, it doesn't look like there's anybody at the front end of that, and so you'll be you're back to square one for me because you had uh, uh, whether you want to call him an ace or not, you had a number one in you Darvish, and you had a one A in Cole Hamels, and it didn't work, and uh, so that's the that's one of the uh, the vagaries of baseball and the problems that you that you run into. You think you've solved a problem, and you haven't solved it, and uh, and so you 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 move on. Uh, I just think that this. Organization is. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to me to see how. I do believe, as you said, that uh, that uh, ownership backs John Daniels. I think they like him very much, uh, and I think uh, they need to be very careful though with the the moves that they make going forward, and not being tone deaf in this market, uh, and and realize that, boy, you know. John was already working against the whole Nolan Ryan thing, uh, which people just will not give up. Uh, and, and before the fact that the, the now that they're in the, in the position where they are now, we can talk about what the Astros did and, and trading players and trading prospects, and they and look what they traded to get Garrett Cole, and they still got players right. in their system. And the, and the Rangers, we can talk all, you know all day about moves that were made, trades that were made, guys that they lost. If you look, if you go around and look at a lot of those guys that they tra- made in those trades, they're not doing so great either. Right, and and that's that's the issue. Is it's like so so now I'm starting to wonder about uh, you know what about your valuation tools? You know maybe it wasn't such a bad idea that you traded some of these guys. Look, I, I think that all those questions are are legit, and you have to ask them, and you have to get answers. But I also think John Daniels' contract is up at the end of this year, mm-hmm. and I think that this ownership group, based on where they stand right now, is going to extend him. Uh, that may not sit well with, with some fans, and they may say, well, you're rewarding him for failure. But they feel that they're they're actually in the middle of this rebuilding process. They're not going to change, um, change lanes at this point, and they believe that John is the right guy to do it. I think that you raise – and, and we've raised this question over and over again, is they have not done a great job of developing, signing, drafting, and developing their own pitching talent. Well, um, pretty much never. The organization never has. To some extent, yeah. yeah. Um, you're about to get, you're, fi- you're about to finally get a climate-controlled stadium. 
where uh, it may not be such a hitter's paradise. All the situations are kind of falling into place for you to actually take out the idea that you can't develop pitching. So now it's on everybody to, to make this happen. And, and I think that ongoing, the development, uh, the evaluation of everything that they do from drafting to the development process is going to have to be uh, closely looked at and, and, and closely considered. Absolutely. Well, it looks like Tristan Hallman. closely consider stopping. Yeah, because Tristan Hallman has come in and uh, have his uh, 30 seconds here. Is it is it going to be 30 seconds or is it going to be more than that, Tristan? Uh, you know, it always feels like more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Anyway, uh, we have talked about. Uh, I saw some video of Tristan swinging a bat the other day. Was he really swinging a bat? At a Frisco. Oh, wow. Good yeah. setup. Is good he really, load. Is yeah. he a really prospect? Is he good? In this newsroom, he is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me just ask before we go. Did, have you ever watched uh, Stanton? You know, I've, I've never noticed this before, watching him hit last night. Do you ever notice the back foot? No. Uh, of course, he's a, he's a very large individual. He is occupying a lot of space in, in, that, uh, in that batter's box. The back foot flies out when he swings. The back foot comes. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that when you, you know, I was coaching my little my, my kids when they were little. It's like make sure you keep that back foot still. Now, just twist it. Don't don't lift it up. Fascinating. Can you take us out here, Kevin? It's worked out pretty well for Stanton. Yeah, it has worked out pretty well for him. All right, so thanks for that bit of baseball wisdom, Casey. I'm just pointing out one of the oddities of baseball. Uh, and as opposed to Evan being our only oddity of baseball. Uh, so anyway, we had the we had the Cowboys. Uh, we talked about uh, our old friends uh, Rob Ryan and T.O. And uh, we have also talked about Terrence all, Williams too. Don't forget and Terrence him. Williams too. Yes, <laughs> How did you we forget did. That Terrence Williams. Yeah, on his on his electric bike going down the field. Uh, so we had that, and we've talked about the Rangers and their continuing woes. And uh, we will come back next week. But until then. From everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.